Uh, welcome to the rake, our remote edition, uh, quarantine rake. Uh, we have a special guest today. It is Elliot Rowe, and he is a mindset coach who's going to give us some awesome tips on dealing with anxiety, depression, all the stuff that's bothering people today. Um, welcome, Elliot. Hey, thanks so much for having me on the show. Oh, thanks for coming on. Um, do you want to just give a little bit of a background on um, what you do, how you got into helping poker players, UFC fighters, and everything? Uh, yeah, sure. So I'm a hypnotherapist and mindset coach. I've been doing this for about a decade now. Um, I came in in a very strange way. I had a fear of flying and um, would effectively uh, refuse to travel long haul. And it would, like, it would ruin my, my holidays if I was going short haul because I'd be so scared of getting on a plane. Someone recommended a hypnotherapist and she resolved it in an hour. Um, by bringing up these memories from the past that I hadn't been able to remember consciously, uh, working through them. And then at the end, I just wasn't scared of flying, which blew my mind. Because of that, I decided to do a course in hypnotherapy, um, thinking I'd just be helping friends and family. And, you know, if someone said they were scared of spiders, I'd be able to fix it for them. And it went really well. So I started having success with the friends and family. They would recommend me and recommend me. And um, it, it just became a business. Now, where I ended up in the poker world is one of my friends works for the EPT. And um, she had said, I was working with golfers at the time. And she said, you know, poker players get really stressed and it costs them millions of dollars. Perhaps you should try and work with poker players. And I just put a post on 2 Plus 2 um, saying, hey, I want to try this. Does anyone want free sessions? Started doing free sessions, got really good reviews from it, um, started charging from the sessions. And then I had a number of, you know, fortunate situations with different clients where they, they had an awful lot of success while working with me. And from there, everything was word of mouth. Um, and then there was sort of lots of people in poker and no, lots of other successful people. So I was introduced to athletes through poker. Um, and also early in my career, I was living in Las Vegas. And I just went to the different UFC gyms and asked them if they wanted me to give a lecture on um, mindset and picked up a load of UFC clients and then was lucky enough to have a couple of UFC champions work with me. Um, so yeah, it's been a fun decade working on the mindset side of things and helping athletes, poker players, and now sort of predominantly probably the majority of business people, CEOs, founders of companies, about 30, 30% are still poker. That's cool. Um, I personally got to meet you a few years ago uh, when I set you up with Scott Blumstein. He was having <laughs> anxiety uh, every day. We were all there for him. We were doing his little like being like a personal assistant, getting his food like when he was deep in the main event. And with like two days to go till him winning it, he was becoming a mess. And um, I was talking to him. I said I did a session with Elliot Rowe. It was great. It made me feel calm. He's like very knowledgeable about poker players. You're not just going to get a therapist. You're just like, oh, envision a field of flowers and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, you actually get like real, like you dug in really hard with me with the stuff that bothered me about my poker career. Um, and he's like, sure, yeah, set up the meeting or whatever. And then every day he was a mess. And every time he talked to you, he, he left the room with like a completely different attitude. It was amazing to see that he'd wake up being like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God do a Skype call with you and come down an hour later and just be like, all right, guys, let's get them today. Oh, I'm ready. And, it's like magic though. And then he ended up winning and he played well and he was like, didn't let those, like there were a couple of hands he played where he punted some chips off and 
to me, I would be like, oh my God, everyone's going to make fun of me. All these like weird anxieties come in. He was just like, oh, whatever. I still have 50 million. It's fine. And I feel like that had a lot to do with like your coaching. Oh, I mean, thank you. And it, it really, I think it's where it comes into its own, especially in the poker world is if you can reduce that anxiety and, you know, it's impossible to put a percentage of it, you know, whether it's 10% reduction in anxiety, 20, that there's usually a very obvious change that people notice an obvious shift. Like you say, he goes upstairs feeling one way, he comes down another, the edge that that gives you in a high pressure situation like that is ridiculous. Mm. Um, because you're just treating the game in a different way to your opponent. Um, and that's what I found. I mean, it, it has gone really well in poker. Um, you know, I had Fedor obviously won everything. Um, I worked with Alex Foxen before he had won everything. He then won everything. Blumstein won that. I had Devorah's recently won the Super High Roller Bowl. Um, Rast won the Super High Roller Bowl. Like, it's been, it's been a really good few years of it. Um, and, yeah, I just keep trying to prove the point that not being anxious and being focused is really valuable for poker players. Is there a specific personality trait you see amongst all these high rollers, amongst all these elite poker players that they have like a commonality that they have to get through or is everyone kind of different in their baggage, so to speak? I, I think everyone's different in their issues, mm-hmm. but in terms of where people like, the way they view the world, I would say, is quite similar. Mm. In most cases, certainly the guys who end up working with me, um, they're really looking to improve themselves in any way that they can. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not surprised now that when you look at the super high rollers, everyone's uh, in shape. Everyone eats pretty well. Everyone meditates. Like There's this theme now that you can see. It's it's just like they're trying to do their best and get an edge in every area. And when I talk to mid-stakes players, that's not really the case. I would say that's the biggest difference is this. They're trying to gain an edge anywhere they can when they're at the very highest levels. And yeah, the lower stakes of the game, you don't quite see that same dedication that I notice with the really elite players. Interesting. Yeah. I think that, uh, that is actually really interesting. It's like Jason Kuhn comes to mind where it's just like this dude wants to crush every single aspect of his life. He's not just like, Hey, uh, is there some like magic pill I could take to make myself good at poker? Like, can you give me one visualization where like, I just crush my opponents when I sit down and think about it. It's like, no, he's just trying to figure out like how to make his whole entire life work optimally to make sure that when he sits down, he's playing as well as he can. Yeah. And I think that's sort of a lot of the work that I'm doing with those guys. It's fine tuning work. Mm most of them aren't coming with their lives in absolute chaos and disarray. They're like, I sometimes notice that in this sort of situation, I feel more anxiety than I would like to. If I felt less anxiety there, that would be really valuable for me. Can you help me? You know, it's that sort of, it's really, there's really subtle changes with the people who are at the highest stakes. And then mid stakes, it might be like, Hey, I get angry and I smash my laptop. <laughs> can, you, can you stop me smashing my laptop, please? And you know, it's, it's sort of just, just shifts because people have had to develop a certain amount for them to reach those high stakes of the game. Um, you know, were you, were you attempting out. to talk directly to Spraggy on that one? Cause <laughs> I know Spraggy has never done a, had a mental coach, and he desperately, desperately needs one. I think we can all recognize that. Um, so, how does that? What does that look like when you when someone's high of anxiety? This is my problem. I can't get past this hurdle. Whatever. How do you? What's the first step? Do you break it down and just kind of acknowledge it, or how, what's the first step in like breaking that barrier? Um. 
Well, I mean, I, I use hypnotherapy. That's that's my background. That's modality. Oh. Um, so you get into a very relaxed state, which is just like guided meditation. So the person is then very relaxed. Instead of with meditation where you would let go of thoughts as they come up, instead you get incredibly focused on one thing, which would be the anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I'd be saying, so how do you feel in your body in that moment? How does it present? Like, And they'll say, I'm feeling a pressure in my chest or I feel a heat in my forehead, whatever anxiety feels like to them. And then we'll start connecting it back to earlier times in their life they felt that way. So when else did you feel this way? When else? When else? And they usually end up talking about times in childhood where they were getting pressure from a parent or they're being bullied at school or whatever it might be. We then work through the issues that they had to deal with as a child, um, release the emotion from it. It's not rare for people to cry in these sessions. It's quite normal. Um, They start releasing the emotion around it. And then they notice that the trigger that had been firing to make them feel anxious in those moments has disappeared or changed substantially. So let's say someone's anxiety is at a 10. We're not saying we're going to take it down to a zero, but what we want to do is get it down from a 10 to a manageable level where it's no longer impacting their play at the table. Um, and that's the, sort of the basic process that I'm using, whether it's anxiety, anger, procrastination, self-sabotage, fear of failure, fear of success. It's always this, okay, you know that's irrational. Your subconscious believes there's a reason for it. We need to find out why the subconscious believes that and then work through it. Yeah, I've read that list to Marley that you have on your um, your coaching page where it was basically going through the different things blocking people from success. And I was like, this could be written for me. Like basically it was just like, <laughs> I know. Why, like, why don't you try hard at the things you do? Like, because when you try really hard and you fail or you try really hard to be the best and someone's still better than you, it hurts your ego a lot. And that like the fear of trying hard and failing, but then also the fear of like, getting to to the top of something that you want to be at the top at and then having it not be fulfilling might be even worse than that where you just think okay if i get everything i want like one thing maybe it is good but then what do you do next and then the other thing is like maybe it won't be that good and i'll be like what a waste of 10 years yeah and, and the reason when you're reading it it's talking to you is because they talk to everybody you know mm-hmm. everyone has some percentage of these issues you know all of us it, it's very scary giving a hundred percent to anything mm-hmm. whether it's something like poker or even just a relationship giving a hundred percent because then if the person rejects you they're really rejecting you rather than hey well i only gave it i wasn't really trying that hard in the relationship anyway so you know i'm not really being rejected and it's the same sessions I do um, relate back to this you know if as a child they um, let's say they're an intelligent child they're getting good grades um, it actually becomes scary to study for exams because you believe you're really intelligent and if you just go in the exam and you can get a B mm-hmm. that's actually safer for the ego than studying and still getting a B because you can tell yourself, I definitely would have got an A if I'd studied, or I'm the cleverest, I'm so clever, I don't even have to study. And if I get a lower grade, they're sort of cheating because they're studying for the exam, but I'm really the cleverest. And then that shows itself in poker where people don't do the study they should be doing for the game, because if they work really hard and they still lose, the ego is going to take a really big hit and they've lost all of their excuses. I mean, I think that just applies as a content creator, you know, I struggled for a long time with even putting my vlog out. I bought a camera and spent a year kind of sitting on it and filming things and not putting it out. And it was a lot of the same, like, 
oh, well, like, I know I can, it's like, I feel like any, in any instance, we have to put yourself out there. It's kind of requires this. And I've like gotten really much better at hacking myself and, and like have my own little tricks now. They're, they're probably not like therapist approved because I'm mostly just like, Hey, get together and do it. Like, like I mostly just like, if it works, if it works. works. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely could use some like more organic roots to that, to that end result. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's something interests me a lot too, is, uh, I feel a lot of people can, a lot of poker players too can short circuit the path to getting there with anger, with beating themselves up, whatever. But I think after a certain point, when you're playing for a long time, whatever, those things don't work. You know what I mean? Or like, it just, it just kind of wears on you. So you need a more like, I don't know, smoothed out approach. Yeah. You, you want it to be that. Yeah. So the, the whole idea of my process is that mm-hmm. rather than fighting against it, you're removing the triggers so that they're not firing anyway. So rather than I feel anxious, I'm going to fight through my anxiety. I'm going to, I'm going to have to push myself through this. Mm. We're just trying to attack the actual trigger. So the anxiety doesn't even present at the same level that it was presenting. But it was interesting when you're saying, you know, this comes up in the releasing of logs. Mm. I literally see the same issues, whether I'm working with a professional athlete, a poker player, CEO of a company, it's just the same thing over and over and over no matter what it is I'm working on. So, you know, that's something else that people might not be aware of. There's nothing special about, you know, any, anything or anybody. We're all just running these programs from our childhood and nearly everyone is scared of being judged by other people, feeling that they're not valuable, that they're not loved. And anything risks that makes them uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So So taking it to, I don't know, more, did you have a question, Jamie? Oh no, go on. I was just gonna say, taking it to the current state that we're in now, um, with Corona and everything, uh, mm-hmm. do you just like, do you have any general coping advice for, I don't know, this weird, weird world we're living in now? I mean, the first thing is that if you're an online poker player, um, you know, you're probably in the luckiest industry of all industries that, you know, you're used to staying inside. Yeah suddenly the games are soft and not only that they've banned sports so everyone who is a sports better or a dfs player is now op- opening their old poker account mm-hmm. so for poker players um the advice is probably get your head down and get to work and just try not to burn out and try not to take crazy risks but be aware this is probably my guess is this is going to be the strongest time for online poker over the next decade like these however many months this is i can't imagine how it could ever be better than it is right now unless yeah. maybe america gets opened up or something just one specific question because you reminded me of this um i have some friends still left from my real life before poker and also my family and they're going through like a, a much harder time hmm. i actually realized the other day after having like a really good session being like happy and watching movies i have my dog i'm like whatever um, I'm feeling very guilty for that reason. Just that I'm like, I'm worried about the country. I'm worried about everyone, um, right now, but also like at the end of the day, I was like, I had a good day. And I was like, wow, I feel like an asshole. <laughs> I, I would say you should enjoy the fact you had a good day and your family should be happy about the fact that you had a good day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all we can do is try and help everyone around us as much as we can and give them support. 
be through Zoom calls or Skype or something like that because we're locked inside. Um, but I think it's important that we don't all say, hey, everyone has to be unhappy because some people are unhappy. I, I don't think that's positive for anybody. And I would always say like reframing all of this um, is beneficial and not to try and make, you know, the virus is terrible. Lots of people are going to lose their lives. This is a horrific, horrific situation. Um, but sort of reframes around what opportunities does this now open in a new world? What does it mean for climate change now that mm. we said we couldn't stop flights and suddenly all flights have been stopped? What does that mean for pollution with people who were commuting to work and now their businesses have just found out that people can work from home actually and there's no reason for them to drive an hour every single day? You know, so there's tons of negatives, but there are also positives here that we can start to look at and the world might be a very different place, but it doesn't mean it's going to be a worse place. Um, but there's going to be a lot of tragic stories in between. But I think it's more helpful to say, if you had a good day, admit it and say, I had a good day. Like I'm having a pretty good day today. I've, I'm on three podcasts and I'm seeing two or three clients and it, you know, my, my kids were playing in the snow that we randomly had in Utah today. It's, it's been pleasant. Like we're locked inside and it's going to impact my business overall, but today hasn't been a bad day. And I think it's important to not try and tell people it's been a bad day, even if it's been a good day to try and make them feel better. You know, you can say, well, no, some things are still fine. There is some normalcy still. Um, and it's, as I say, I would push towards that. Um, but no one's an expert here because this has never happened before. No one knows what's right or wrong. This is what I'm drawn to personally is just being honest and trying to you know, just say to people, if I've had a good day, I will always say, yeah, my day's been pretty good because it has. And I don't see the point in joining a negative gang around all of that, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Is there any way, like, have you thought of any creative ways to kind of assuage the guilt a little bit? Like I think donating to like, if you have a good day at poker, if poker is booming and you're making twice as much as you're making, finding some people to donate, like getting desperate people and sending some money, like uh, animal shelters have been thriving right now everyone's fostering dogs that's them but um do you have any like tips and tricks like besides the one i just mentioned which is like donating like maybe calling people who are like super unhappy that have been hit the hardest yeah i I think be aware of who's going to be loneliest Mm -hmm. because we know people who are living on their own that is much tougher for them than if you're living with other people um personally what i've been doing is there's a number there are a number of people who i would normally be seeing um, that I'm not seeing in terms of my haircuts, you know, if I go for a massage, trainers, things like that. And I'm making sure while I can afford to, to pay all of the people for all of the missed appointments. So sort of looking out for the people who look after me at a time when it's not possible for me to go, I'd, I'm not going to go and get my haircut at the moment, mm-hmm. but I can still Venmo the guy the same money as if I had the haircut. So I think just seeing it as if online poker means that you can still support that small community of people around you, um, you're doing a hugely beneficial thing by playing and being successful and helping all these people around you. And, you know, I think it allows you to do that. And that's, that's the way I'm treating it. And that's the way I'm trying to sort of overcome any, any of those types of feelings is just speaking to people who will, who are struggling. And then obviously I'm doing all of the, I'm releasing my audio, many of the audios from prime mind we're putting on YouTube if they're relevant um, for free, just so people don't even have to download my app. They can listen to them. I'm discounting my products and doing more in like 
community calls and things like that um, just to try and help as much as I can. And I think people are sort of showing their true colors and loads of people are coming out and doing a lot to help mm-hmm. and just try and be in the group of people who are doing a lot to help rather than the group of people who are criticizing the people for trying to help. You know, there's, there's two sides of everything and just try and be on the side who's trying to put in as much effort as possible. Yeah. Uh, well, you have their course on Run at Once. I don't know if you want to talk a bit about that. You have a, a masterclass on Run at Once that's heavily discounted um, yeah. during the quarantine. If you want to talk a little bit about what that entails. and um, So I have an, an A-game masterclass. It's a, a very comprehensive mindset course. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's six units. There's lots of homeworks, tons of videos. Um, also includes lots of interviews that I did with a number of the top players in the world talking about their mindsets, how their minds, like how they developed it, how they feel at the table, what they do to maintain those mindsets. And then I also normally do monthly live Q and A calls with that as part of the package as well. And that was a thousand dollar product. And what we decided to do is while all of the casinos are shut, um, take 70% off. Um, so that it should be sort of in the budget for any serious poker player if they want to start working on their mentor games while the, the casinos are shut, sort of, you know, a, a normal-ish buy-in for one, two, um, and then 4x the amount of live calls I'm doing. So instead of once a month, I'm now doing once a week calls, and I'm going to continue that until I've decided until the win reopens because they were one of the first to shut and they, they're still paying their staff. So I figured, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, we're going to base it on the win. And when the win reopens, I'll go back to the monthly course. But again, it's one of these small things. It's you have to heavily discount something that you think will help people mm-hmm. increase the amount of work I do for it. And hopefully there's some, you know, however many people decide to go for it. Great. Um, but hopefully people have a bit of an easier time through the quarantine. Yeah. And I think uh, that's a good way to feel like you've earned your good day. Like when you have a good day and like your day has been fine. It's been sunny in Vegas. I take my dog for a walk, like watch some movies, play online poker. I miss a lot of things. I miss seeing people. I miss restaurants. I I don't really, I'm a shitty cook. So this has been rough, (laughs) but, but by and large, I've been having an okay time. And I feel like having a list of things to do that like help other people who are having the worst time would actually make me enjoy my day more and not have that like pang of guilt when you're just like oh it's sunny and nice out cool yeah and yeah i think it just makes all of us a bit more human as well yeah where because we'll start to realize what's happening for different people in different areas and everyone's going to be hit there's not going to be anyone who's not going to have some kind of impact from this even if you are an online player you know you're not seeing your friends and family it's tough Mm. Um, and it's something where it's not just us in america who are in this, or I know you're over in England at the moment, Miles, but mm. everyone in the world is literally dealing with the same problem at the same time. Yeah. Hopefully some good comes from that. So some empathy of like, this is in 20 years time, when you're on a random vacation talking to someone from South Korea, you'll be saying, do you remember that time when the whole world got locked down in the year 2020? And we're all going to have something in common to talk about. And as I say, I think how you try and deal with it um, it will set you up well for the future and ideally just trying to see it as, okay, how can I help the most people? How can I keep my stress levels low? How can I keep my routines around health and fitness and meditation so that I don't really struggle at the end of this? You know, this could be three more weeks or it could be six months. Mm-hmm. Or it could be a year. The um, health and fitness thing is an amazing, sorry to cut you off. It's hard with the video conferencing to figure out when to jump in. Um, 
something with that is like recently I was realizing that just like each individual person staying as healthy as they can was saving other people. Like if you can keep yourself out of the hospital, if you end up getting this, which is like maybe a decent probability, a lot of people are going to get this, that if you don't need a ventilator, if you don't need a hospital bed because you eat well and you like your lungs are in good shape and you sleep enough and like you're trying to stay away from other people, then like you actually are going to just be like saving a lot of people from their this inevitable disease that might like an older person is just going to land in a hospital. And as long as you keep yourself out of that bed, you're doing something really good. Mm. And and I think with the guilt thing that you're talking about, even this self-care is you doing some benefit for society. Like you said, you know, you're, you're going for a run isn't being selfish. You're going for a run is improving your lung strength and your health and your immunity. Um, So I think that's a really wonderful way of putting it, Jamie, like you're, you're doing your bit by staying well. And I think possibly we'll see a big drop in the numbers of smokers over the next few years when people realize how important lung health is. I think we'll probably see some big impacts on, on that sort of thing as well. Now seems like a good time to interrupt the pod with some words from our sponsors at Run At Once. As Elliot mentioned, his popular A-game masterclass on Run At Once training is currently marked down from its normal price of $999 U.S. to an incredibly low $297 U.S. To take advantage of this offer and learn more about the course, go to runatonce.com slash courses slash A-game poker masterclass. Also, if you sign up for a Run It Once training membership using once.run/learn, you'll get free access to three of their elite-level videos. And, if you're looking to dive into the current boom in online action, you should also head over to Run It Once Poker, where there's still some time to take advantage of our Legend of the Green promo. Make your first deposit before the end of March, and you'll receive four weeks of Boosted Legends rewards, allowing you to earn up to 90% total rakeback. You'll also get lifetime access to the Run It Once training cash game course from the ground up. Plus, if you sign up now through once.run slash green, you'll receive a 100% first deposit bonus of up to 600 euro. Now let's get back to Jamie Marley and our special guest, Elliot Rowe. Um, I have some questions. I've been asking our group chat um, and sorry, Zoom Zoom notification. Um, Asking group chats and a bunch of people asking my family um, what they would want to ask you. I was like, I'm going to talk to a mindset coach. I know like there are some people who just have like never had therapy, never had a mindset session, anything. So um, I got some like really interesting questions. Um, my mom, who's in her 70s and she's worried about herself, um, is the only person who takes care of my grandma who is in her mid 90s. And she's right. just on lockdown and we're doing everything we can. I like sent her a bunch, a shipment of just like infinite snacks like a month ago and started, things started to get a little bit weird. Um, but she had a question, how do you comfort an elderly family member who's confi- confined and really unsure of what's coming next? Because this could be, like, if this is a long-term thing, this could be the end of her life is dealing with, like, no contact from her loved ones, no physical touch, and just being in her own little apartment. And that's, like, incredibly sad for me to think of. And, like, how, how do we comfort her and not put that on her? Like, when I call her, I feel sad talking about stuff. And, like, how do you just kind of, like, get through your own, like, dread of, like, that being her last few years? Like, I don't know how do you comfort right. it. Again, there's no right answers to any of this. But the first thing I would say is make sure that you make those calls rather than putting them off because they feel uncomfortable. 
because you'll only if something terrible does happen you'll regret the calls you didn't make more than the calls that you made um and the other thing it sort of goes back to what you were talking about earlier with this feeling guilty for being happy i can assure you your grandma would much rather see a happy jamie who's had a great day playing poker and walking her dog than someone who's mirroring the way that she's feeling so i would say going on to those calls with a how was your day well actually it was pretty good it's sunny in vegas we took the dog for a walk i won this money playing poker you know being upbeat is going to be more positive than mirroring the way that they're feeling because it's going to it's always going to spiral one way or another mm. the energy so you're either improving their day and making them feel brighter or she's going to be thinking oh, i'm worried about jamie as well she seems really upset so I think just as much contact as is reasonably possible. Um, and if you're having a good day, don't pretend that you're not at the very minimum. Um, but again, you know, it's going to be terrible and tragic for a large number of people. There are no experts in this. There's just sort of the most reasonable, logical choice that you can make. Um, and we, we're all going to be faced with those difficult calls over the next whoever knows how long. For sure. Do you have tips for like that? Just reading people's accounts of when they actually do land in the hospital. It's like, it's very sad because this isn't the kind of disease where it's like, oh, and your boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or whatever can go in with you and like hold your hand in the hospital. It's like once you reach that point, you're going to be on your own. Are there tips for if that happens to somebody dealing with like the loneliness and fear by yourself? Um, and this is where I'd say having a meditation practice is going to be really useful. Um, so having already being prepped with getting yourself into that state, being able to be on your own, being able to clear your thoughts and let go of anxieties. Um, so traditional mindfulness meditation where you sit and, you know, focus on your breath. So thought comes up, you focus back on your breath, training yourself in that way is going to be really useful. And it will also reduce your anxiety, which will improve your immune system anyway and reduce the chances of you getting it. Um, so not only would it be more useful for you if you end up in the worst case scenario, if your stress levels are lower and your cortisol is lower, then you're going to be in a situation where there is a reduced chance of you having that worst case scenario show up. Do you have any tips for just the media? Like how much should we feel like just being bombarded with it all the time? Like how mm -hmm. do you self, I don't know, like, how do you deal with wanting to be informed, but like not overdoing it? Not wanting to be logged in 24-7. Yeah. I, I, I've had different people doing different things with this. Um, some of them are just having like, oh, I only check the news at six o'clock every night. Mm -hmm. And for some people that works for them. Um, I would sort of, again, try and reduce the emotional trigger around it. And then you can probably use the amount that you want to watch. So if you yeah. want to stay more updated, it, it's more a case of start to focus on these more, as I say, relatively flippant, but semi-positive things that could come out of it. There could be a change in the environment. There could be change in people's working practices. There could be a change in the level of empathy that we will have for each other moving past this and just accept it as a, yeah, this is bad. The media loves it because these numbers are going to go up every day for the foreseeable future. Like they, they just will continue going up for, you know, however long it's going to be. And every time there's a bigger number, we're going to click on it because, you know, that's what people do. Um, but it's one way you've just got to see it as, okay, this is terrible, but 
I don't need to have a massive emotional response. What I need to do is make sure that I'm doing everything possible to keep myself healthy, to keep myself calm, um, and accept that as with anything, there's always a good and a bad side, and you can choose to focus on one or the other. Um, but any way that you can reduce the emotional impact and not jump into the storm of it, mm-hmm. um, make it an easier process seeing the media throughout the day. Or if you really struggle with that, like I said, doing the, I only check the news at six, I'm only on Twitter at six, that some people are doing and they're finding that effective. Oh man, that, that amount of willpower. I know. I dream of. <laughs> I know. To say I'm only going to check the news at six. <laughs> I wish I could do that. I feel like I have gotten better at just like constraining it. Like the first week of just getting slammed by all this news, it was on a hundred percent of the time in my house. And it was like when I have uh, my boyfriend and a housemate and a dog. So like, it's nice having people around, but my one housemate was like, can we not, can you just put on anything? He's like, put on reruns of friends put on yeah. like criminal minds, literally any other thing, because just having it on loop was just like, anytime you're feeling a little bit good about something, it's like reminder, everything sucks. And like, people are all really scared. And like, yeah, it's been, it's been a little better since like, at least even watching a movie. It's like my, I just feel like it's a two hour vacation away from real life. And then you come back to it and it's like, doesn't seem as scary when you haven't been 24 hours straight listening just to it. Locked into it. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I kind of have a weird question just because it's so hard for me to like visualize what exactly hypnotherapy looks like. Is it literally like you're out of, you're not, you don't feel like you're even like you're on drugs or something. I don't know. Like what if no, I can't I even mean, like focus, like picture. Have you ever, have you ever done meditation? Of any no. Kind? Uh, yoga? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, when you do the breathing exercises in a yoga class, mm-hmm. that's a form of meditation. So you get really relaxed. The feeling should be similar to the feeling when you're waking up in the morning and you're quite comfortable and you know what's going on, but you're just not quite willing to get out of bed. Mm. So there's nothing magic about it. It's not like stage hypnotherapy or anything you'd see in a film, Mm. but you're in a very relaxed state. And because you're focused in on one thing, thoughts and memories will come up in a different way than they would in a conversation. So you're just sort of feeling very relaxed. You're feeling like you're drifting in and out of this state that's very comfortable. Mm. And then you'll sort of dig into these emotions and you'll be like, oh, I remember my teacher when I was eight said this. And you'll be like, oh, that was strange. I haven't thought about that in 10 years. But your subconscious has been thinking about that a lot. And that's why you're being triggered in a certain way. How does that sound, Jamie? Because obviously you've done a session. And mm-hmm. does that sound close to your your experience through that? Yeah, it was funny because that was the part of our session that I was the most resistant to because I'm just like, oh, whatever. Like my brain's not going to let me just like take a vacation like this. Like, And then towards the end of it, I started to get that like, okay, I'm breathing much easier and like my brain feels empty. Like instead of how I was in the beginning where I'm like, I don't want to visualize anything. I felt like it was cheesy. And then it just like after a few minutes, I did start to feel like it felt like yoga, like where you're yeah. just kind of at first, I didn't like yoga at first either. I was like, I like running, I like soccer. I want to be sweating. I don't want to be like just posing and stuff. But actually towards the end of like my first or, or couple of yoga sessions, I was like, okay, this is like a mental benefit more than physical. And it was like, I could get, I could accept that. Okay. Like sometimes yeah, it's just like, like chilling out is it's hard for an anxious person to like decide to chill out. Yeah, it can be scary to let go of the control because you know, those wheels turning are the control of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, it's, as I say, there's, there's no magic. Mm. It's not like you're unconscious, but there is a shift. There is a feeling with it that's different. Mm. 
to if we're just having a conversation. There's definitely a significant difference between the way the person feels in the first half an hour of my session, where it's basically just like life coaching, I guess, mm -hmm. and the second half of the session, which would be a focused hypnotherapy. The the life coaching was excellent, though. Like you, I, there, I was in a rut for like a year where I was doing the same thing. I was playing the same MTTs in New Jersey. This was a long time ago, and. I remember just being like, okay, I know if I like study harder, I'll achieve my goals and all this stuff. And you were like, what are your goals? We go through my goals. And you're like, oh, you can't achieve your goals by the things you're doing. You like went through it and you're like, these are the buy-ins you're playing per night. This is like your upside, the possible upside. And you're like, yeah, your goals don't even match what you're like trying to do. So if you do everything right, you're still not going to achieve your goals doing this. And I was like, damn it, Elliot. <laughs> it <laughs> was really that. good though to have like life coaching, not just like visualization and things that are very general. It was like a very specific, like, let's get into like the things you actually want to do and see if any of the things that you're doing are going to accomplish that. And I, I changed a lot of things from one session. It was kind of crazy. That's awesome. Uh, I have a kind of a random question. Have you played much poker yourself or do you have any interest in it? Just being around it? No, I mean, I, I play badly <laughs> basically. <laughs> so I'll play for fun when I'm in Vegas. Um, I'll just like jump on one, two or something like that. But I think being around it, the amount that I have been for the last decade, mm -hmm. in some ways, like I speak to a lot of extremely good poker players and I'm very aware of the level of effort that I would need to put in to, to reach a level where I would think it's going to be anything more than just fun. And uh, if, if I put in the hours to poker, I wouldn't be able to put in the hours I work. So rather than trying to be world-class at what I'm doing now, it would be a case of, yeah, I wouldn't be great at either of them. So my decision is play poker for fun and not particularly well when I play. Um, and yeah, just, just see it like that. Just like a fun entertainment in Vegas um, rather than a, I'm going to take this seriously and try and become one of the best because mm. you guys are all cleverer than me. Like this. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep playing one, two. I can't lose too much money to you. Yeah. That made me think of this video that just came out a few days ago, uh, this YouTube channel, Finding Equilibrium. They make, you know, Pio videos. I love it. It's so good. Yeah, it's a really good channel. Um, but they came out with this video talking about just like the way poker is marketed. Have you seen this video, Jamie? How about the way? The recent one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's not solver based. It's just like a, you know, information video talking about how poker has been marketed recently about being this like fun, like exciting game and how it's actually better and more advantageous for the industry to market it as a very intense skill game and like comparing it to other industries and the fact that um, we, it's kind of like a facade at this point and it's not helping anybody to portray it as like, you know, you can win big and just get lucky. And uh, mm -hmm. we should lean into the fact that most of the elite players tend to be quote unquote ro robotic or personalityless. And I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts about that and if you think that it's beneficial um, or not, the way poker is going. Well, I would say probably for, for let's say, I'm target market. Mm -hmm. um, I, and I know the truth and I know how hard it is and I know how clever the people are. Mm -hmm. And I'm choosing not to play as much because of that. Mm -hmm. So I think if they were like, hey, this is really a skill game, this is like playing chess that probably wouldn't be the best way of advertising it to brand new players. Um, yeah. Some people, they really will kick in. Um, but I would, I would think a lot of other people are going to think, wow, that sounds really, really tough. Um, I don't want to put down $2,000 to something that I don't know how to do when it's really, really tough. So I think somewhere between the, the two of this is something you can improve in and 
that you want to work towards and the very elite are like this but the truth is there are games all around america which you, you don't have to be the world's best poker player to make a living mm-hmm. in a lot of parts of america and life well saying life games they don't exist anymore right now yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> right now they don't exist but um but there were two weeks ago games in all in many parts of america where it wasn't the sort of the super robotic elite high you know gto play it was a bit more like the, the sort of the old get days of poker so probably you know dependent on market and and who you're trying to attract but that i don't know that you get the numbers by saying this is like chess um but, but that again who, who knows that's like i think poker players like things to be black and white and i think that the elite players want to be honest and say, Hey, if you want to be playing 300 K buy-ins, this is the kind of work I do. And like Jason Kuhn put out that blog that was like, here's what I think about in a hand. And it's like an extremely overwhelming amount of information that he takes in, in one hand. Um, and I think that the super elite players get clouded by that though, and don't realize that they are at the top of the mountain and yeah, getting there is going to take a ton of sacrifice, but let's say you just want to be in the middle of the mountain. You want to make 20 bucks an hour and it's like a semi-professional thing for you. Um, and you want to like get some enjoyment too. I think some people don't decide to like start going up the mountain cause they feel like they can never get to the top. And I just think like, okay, I enjoyed playing soccer, even though I was never going to be on the Olympic team. Like there's, there's reasons to still try hard and not make it just for fun. And you get enjoyment out of being pretty good. If you think about how many people take golf seriously in the country. That was a comparison they made actually. It was to golf. Oh, yeah. oh to golf. Um, yeah, but I, I would say the difference, those people aren't expecting to play in the PGA. Mm. They just want to be better than their friends. Like that's it. <laughs> And they don't yeah. have to. They don't have to train every single day to be better than their friends. They have to train more than their friends. Mm. So, and and you know that's what the home games are in America, and that's what it's like being in a small casino somewhere. Um, you don't need to be world class and think about a hand the way Jason does. You just need to be better than Drunk Bob. <laughs> and if you're better than Drunk Bob, <laughs> and he's there because he likes to gamble. Um, so I think, again, the advertising is just going to be different for different casinos and different directions. And I think it's important that people respect poker and see just how clever and hardworking the very elite are. But the truth of it is they, we sort of, we see the very, the elite and certainly, you know, I'm talking to those people an awful lot and it makes it seem like the world's game. Um, but there's probably an awful lot of places where you can sit down and like you say, make your $20 an hour, have a hobby. And instead of paying to go and play golf, you're, you're making a small hourly while still being entertained. Yeah. Um, any, any other questions you want to ask from your chat, Jamie? Yeah, that's what I'm looking. Um, I have some friends who are playing um, like app games and they were playing like underground games in New York city and I used to do that when I first started out. It was like how I was like, wow, poker, you can make a living because the people were just, those games were great. Um, they're asking like, how can they work on balancing their life when they necessarily have to have a shitty schedule? Like their app games are playing till six in the morning. That's how they can make money. It's the only way they can make money right now. Um, and pretty much like, how do you maintain a, a normal kind of lifestyle while working a graveyard shift or like maybe your normal friends and family don't. And then especially now with the extra, like you don't really get a lot of sunlight. You can't really go out. Like, is there any tips specifically for, for this kind of thing? I, I would say if, if that's going to be the case and those, that's what the games are literally start shifting your hours as if you've gone to another country. 
and accept that for the, the foreseeable future, you are a shift worker who's on night shifts and look at what people who are on night shifts do to live the best life that they can. Um, you know, if this is a survival thing and the other games don't exist and this is your only way of making an income, then you change the time that you go to bed, you change the time that you wake up, you make sure that you get that exercise we were talking about in, like never stop the exercise, never stop the meditation, make sure your diet's as clean as possible because like you said, there is going to be a sort of a vitamin D issue if they're not getting outside in the sunshine and things. Um, but I would just say sooner rather than later, accept that that's your new reality and make the best of your new reality. Um, because there are plenty of people in the world who are night shift workers and you might not want to do it for the rest of your life, but if it's eight weeks of this and that's the difference between you having the money to pay the rent and not, it's probably worth just switching your hours and being a night shift worker. Yeah. I had one more question. Sorry. And I like, I almost let it escape me, but, um, how do you make long-term plans when there's uncertainty like this? Cause for me, I'm like, I like planning. I like writing it on a dry erase board, what I want to be doing in a few months. Um, like, and sometimes the things I want to do all like WSOP was the thing, right? We're like, I want to get in shape. I want to eat clean. I want to get on a good sleep schedule. I want to put this many hours of studying. And if I put this many hours of studying in, this is the schedule I'm going to play. And like right now it's very hard for me day to day to be like, these are the things I need to be doing when I'm not sure what my next like several months looks like. I would say all of the things you just said are still completely under your control. So every one of them is like, you can still keep yourself healthy. You can still do all of the study you're doing. Um, and I would be pretty certain we're going to have a world series of poker 2021. And you're now working towards all of those things for 2021. And maybe there's a world series in October and, and things change, but just make a routine that will most likely give you the life that you want at the end of this. So, you know, on, from my personal side, um, I still do exactly the same amount of exercise as I was doing beforehand. Like nothing's changed. Um, my diet hasn't particularly changed over the, this period at all. Um, when I've had, you know, I'm going to lose a number of clients with what's going on with the financial markets and the businesses and things. Um, where I've got gaps in my calendar, I'm doing podcasts instead. I'm coming on to things like this. Um, so I just see it as what's the most rational thing for me to do today. And probably that will work out at the end of this crisis. But if I was like, oh, actually, you know, I don't know what things are going to be like. So I'm going to stop exercising and I eat whatever I want. And I'm just going to sleep during my breaks in the day because I'm feeling sad. Very likely I'm going to be in a much worse position whenever the end of this is. And if it's six months or one month or what have you, I would just say, yeah, just any routine that looks like it will lead to what you were picturing beforehand, but you now have more time to do it. I was talking to an Olympian earlier and he was like, yeah, the Olympics have just been cancelled. And I was saying to him, well, the good news is you've now got a year to be even faster than you were before. Mm -hmm. You know, literally, it's another year of training. What can you do in this year? And what opponents can you do better than? Who's going to mentally break because their plans have been changed? Exactly. And who's going to get more training in and be even better when it comes around to the Olympics 2021? And some, some of the distractions that were probably always there for like younger people who are like, in sick shape like they want to go on dates they want to go out drinking they want to like do social things it's like those things have all been removed so maybe you become like an absolute machine in a year <laughs> everything's stopped yeah i yeah. know 
Well, any other final thoughts as we wrap up here that you wanted to, uh, I don't know, any other plugs? Yeah, or? Like direct, direct us to the stuff like. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, so we've got, if you search Prime Mind on YouTube, we've started putting out free MP3s. So you don't have to download the app. You can just find some free stuff that we think would be helpful. So like to get you to sleep for anxiety, we're adding some stuff about working from home because people are struggling with that. Um, so there's free free on YouTube um, and we can send you the links, Jamie, if you can share those. Mm-hmm. Um, the course, which with the discount I mentioned is on Run It Once. That's all done through, through the Run It Once guys. So you can find my masterclass on there and we're just gonna keep it discounted and I'm gonna keep doing the extra sessions until the win reopens. <laughs> Um, and then Prime Mind, if you want to download the app, it's free to download and try. And about, I think there's like 40 audios that are for free on the app. And you can subscribe as well. And that's just on your phone if you search the App Store or Google Play. Um, and my coaching's elliotrow.com um, if someone feels that they, it's the right time for coaching for them. I really want to do a session at some point. I've been thinking, obviously, Jamie told me about hers, and I know people who worked with you, but. Uh... Hopefully at some point in this quarantine, I will set up a session yeah. for myself. You got, you'll have one about like how to deal with Spraggy or, yeah. like, you know, like this is, that has to be like, we don't have to talk about it on here. Cause I don't want to make, I only want to make fun of him as a joke, not for real, but having a new relationship and being quarantined together. Holy shit. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, we're getting through it. We've only, you know, had a few minor, you know, fist fights, but we're getting through it one day at a time. <laughs> thank stuff. you so much Elliot this has hey. like made me feel better even though we're like surface level on everything right now this has been like calming anyway so I really appreciate you hey. giving us some tips no worries well as I say thanks for having me on and hope it helped awesome cheers guys bye bye, bye.